Who the fuck is Tony Black? Yeah, who the fuck is that? <laughs> Another episode of Misery Point Radio. Thanks for sacrificing your ear stinkers once again and setting aside the last remnants of good judgment to tune in and check out another epic conversation with yet another metal heavy hitter. Now, I know what you're thinking. Which North Carolina band are we going to be talking about today, Mike? Well, smart asses, the answer is none because today, Misery Point Radio is featuring an artist from the far off land of Orlando, Florida. Way far away from North Carolina, super far, not even close. That's right. And because the stars were all aligned and incantations spoken and ancient symbols scrawled and all that cosmic mumbo jumbo, I was able to conjure a conversation with the Lord of all Druids himself, Tony Black. And what's even more badass is that even though Tony and his band Druid Lord are based out of Florida, he actually took the time to call me from England while on vacation with his family. Super badass. We talked about so many cool things, what he's been doing in England, what he did in France, his visits to numerous castles and historical places, and of course, what we all want to know, whose food is better. We also chatted about his time in Asheron, the origin of Druid Lord, and the fascination with old school horror flicks. And on top of that, we dove into his newest project, The Tony Black Show, and his plans for YouTube domination. There were so many cool things covered in this episode, I frankly can't mention them all in this intro. But that's why you're here. You gotta listen to the whole thing, I'm not gonna do all the work for you. We don't do cliff notes here. So, light some candles, step into the circle, break out the chains, and get ready for an epic dose of heavy, doomy, sludgy brutality. If you think you can handle it. I think you can. Here we go. So please welcome to Misery Point Radio from Druid Lord, Mr. Tony Black. Tony, thanks for joining me today, brother. Definitely appreciate it. No problem, man. Good to be here. Yeah. So you're in England right now, correct? Yes, sir. I'm on. Uh, I'm in the. I'm uh, somewhere near London by the beach. It's called Sand Sandgate. Sandgate. So, yeah. Awesome. And how long yeah. have you? Uh, how long you been on vacation for? Where are you traveling to? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we did a week. We did a week here, and then we did a week in France, and uh, we got to see the Eiffel Tower and stuff, and uh, the Notre Dame. And now we're doing two more weeks in England. So we're doing a full month in England. So holy crap! Yeah, I've never had a vacation that long. So uh... me neither. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. What's the occasion? Just kind of uh, taking a break from the day to day and getting the family out of town for a while, or? Um, it's actually, it's a little more solemn than that. My, uh, my wife has cancer Oh shit. and, uh, this, this is like her, uh, this was on her bucket list and she's got a really good friend that lives in here in England. And, uh, they were, they were supposed to get married and we originally uh, planned on coming up here for a wedding. Uh, but they had to postpone the wedding and we were like, Hey, you know what? We already got the tickets and stuff. And you know, why don't we just, is it cool if we come anyway? And they're like, yeah. So they put us up in their house and, you know, this is like a, it's almost like a make a wish foundation for my wife, you know? Oh, so crazy. Yeah. So you guys are hanging out overseas there for the next month or so then that's uh, and they're putting you up. So that's pretty cool that you get to hang out with friends rather than just kind of stay in hotels or hostels or whatever else is out that way. Dude, we are living it up over here. We got a house that's, I look out and the beach is right there. I mean, I walk across the street. The beach is right there. It's a three-story house. It's it was built in 1822. So it's got it's some like history historic. behind it. Yeah, it's it's badass. And we're gonna go see some castles tomorrow. I'm just having the time of my life right now, man. Yeah, it's I awesome. saw I saw some of your posts uh, that you had you know probably seen some some really cool old buildings and some castles. So what have you done so far? What have you seen? Uh, so like I said, we saw the Eiffel Tower, the, the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame, the, uh, we saw this, uh, we saw this, the property where Monet lived and we walked the grounds where he painted some of his famous paintings and we walked his house. 
the Monet house that was and his, his paintings are just all over the walls. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah, we saw the Sandgate Castle. We saw a bunch of old churches in, in France. Uh, we stayed at a chateau in France that was built in the 1300s. Oh, that's fucking sick. It was amazing, man. I mean, uh, one of the buildings, the monks, monks were in there and they used to, she showed me where they used to pray, you know, where the monks would pray. And, and like, uh, we saw some parts of the cat of the chateau, chateau that was like, uh, where war had like the war that like a war, they had like had a war there. And like this part was blown up by cannons and shit and, this part caught fire and they had to rebuild it and it was it was amazing dude i loved it man yeah the the whole history of all that kind of old school stuff i i've definitely been a fan of for a long time it sounds like that's something you're into as well yeah man i got a history lesson coming here because like my buddy's uh english and so he's telling me that right where his house is there was battles between the french and the english you know, because the I can see France almost from this house. Like Crazy. I can, you look over it and on a clear day you can see part of France. So we just it was a thirty minute ride to get on a ferry to go over to France. So it's like right there. And he's telling me about all these wars and stuff that was fought right here. It's like crazy, man. How? So, uh, what's the favorite thing you've done so far on your travel abroad there? Um. We saw an old castle. I don't even know what it's called in France. That it was parts of it were were wrecked, and uh, there was nobody there. There was nobody telling us, "Oh, you can't go in there. You can't go over here." It was just like abandoned. And uh, me and my kids are just walking and exploring it, and we're just like, "This is cool as shit." Like in Florida, <laughs> there would be a fence. There would be a fence there. There would be a guard there telling you, you can't go in there, and there was nobody there. It was just amazing. Like we could have fallen off the cliff and died, you know, <laughs> but you know, like, like they, they actually, they actually make you accountable there. You know, it's not right. like all dumbed down. They don't know? fucking hold your hand, you know, you live with your own consequences yeah. over that way. That's killer. yeah. Like they're like, you know, Hey, fucking go, go to this castle at your own risk, you know, which yeah. is cool. What's uh, how's the food uh, over there? Which you prefer, the French or the the English food? Uh, the French food was amazing, actually, man. I had uh, this salmon tart the first day that was amazing. It had like croissant with us with the cheese and salmon, and then uh, it was. Uh, I, I definitely, I, I definitely prefer the France. Yeah, France food. French food was amazing. Although we had a place here uh that did fish and chips yeah. that was amazing too so i really haven't had as much uh english food yet as the french food so awesome well uh I don't know. my yeah. my day job is that i am an executive chef and so um yeah i always wanted to ask people who were over there hey what's your favorite between the two because there's always that interesting battle of the foods kind of overseas so that's pretty cool to hear you say that yeah, they really go the extra mile over there, man, because I think they're known for the food. So it seems like they go the extra mile and everything is is kind of decadent and right. the food and it's, you know, they really do it up, man. Not killer. So, uh, well, you know, I could spend all day asking you about your trip over there, but uh, I guess let's let's dig into you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you for indulging me, though. I was, I was definitely yeah. very curious. So, um Let's talk about the mighty Druid Lord. Have you, by the way, have you noticed that every time the name Druid Lord gets mentioned, it's the mighty Druid Lord? Because you guys are fucking mighty, apparently. <laughs> uh, I was, when I was uh, looking online and doing a little bit of homework and whatnot, I just, I kept finding that word thrown in there. And I just, I thought it was funny. Um, uh, apt, but, but funny. So. Uh, Good, man. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, uh, looking kind of into your history, if you don't mind me getting a little bit of a history lesson there. Uh, so it looks like the formation of where you guys are at now kind of started uh, back in the Asheron days, kind of where you hooked up with Pete and uh, you guys did that for a while. Yeah. Uh, completely a different concept back then than, than what you're doing now. This is back like what in the early 90s, I want to say. And you were playing guitar yeah. at that 90s. time, right? 
Yeah, I was just a guitarist, no vocals. I did some backup vocals. Me and Vince live, we would do the uh, kind of side where he would go high and I would go low. Yeah, oh, that and the carcass like kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, we used to do that, and uh, but I wasn't a lead singer, you know, back then. But right after Astron, I joined this band called Apostasy. And uh, I did lead vocals for those guys because all they needed was a vocalist. Right. And that kind of put it kind of put that, you know, in my head, man. I could probably do that someday if I wanted to. Yeah. You know? And when you so, were playing when you were playing in Asheron, I mean, did you you hadn't thought at that point there that, you know, this might be a direction I want to take this vocally. It wasn't until you got involved in the next thing you said, fuck, I might do this. Nah, man, when I was in Asheron. I, I was happy doing backup vocals and I just, I wanted to work on my leads more cause I didn't do a lot of leads in Ashron. And, uh, but after working on them for a while, I realized I'm not a lead guitarist, you know? <laughs> so I, I, yeah. So I was like, yeah, but the lead vocals never really crossed my mind back then, man. I was happy playing guitar. Yeah. Fun. And at that time when you were, when you guys were in that, were you in, was Mike Browning, jamming with you in that time too or did he kind of come later nah man he was there so uh i joined i joined ashron in uh 92 land in late 91 no it was 92 and uh so i joined vince was living in uh he was living in lake county somewhere like mount dora or something like that and uh he he didn't have a, a steady drummer uh, and he only had the one guitarist, which was Pete. And I saw them at a club in Orlando and me and my roommate, he was a drummer. Uh, we, we like, we loved the band and our band wasn't doing much. So they were like, Hey, we're looking for a drummer and uh, another guitarist. And I was like, Holy shit, that's what we are. You know? So we joined up and, uh, Unfortunately, my roommate didn't really, he didn't take it seriously enough and uh, like I did. And so we let him and, uh, and Vince was like, man, I'm talking to Mike Browning and uh, he wants to join the band, but we have to move to Tampa. And I was like, shit, dude, I'm, I, was, I was like 19. I was like, I'm ready. Let's go. You know, I'll, I'll move to Tampa. So we actually moved to Tampa just to get Mike in the band. And uh, I don't know if you know it, but Mike's, Mike does some, uh, on Right to the Black Mass, Mike does some, uh, he does some of the talking on one of the songs. Oh, no, That's I hadn't heard voice. that. So, and I knew Mike, I didn't know Mike personally, but I knew he was in Mormon Angel, so right. I couldn't wait to get him in the band, dude. And this was pre-Nocturnus days? No, this was, this was, Nocturnus was still going on. Okay. This was, Mike was kind of at the end of Nocturnus. They had... They had replaced Mike vocally because they uh, Nocturnus felt that they wanted a front man that wasn't playing drums. Right. So it was a good time for us to get Mike because his band was kind of he's kind of shitting on him, man. You yeah. know, like because they they didn't want him singing anymore. And I always thought I loved Mike's vocals, and I was like, that's fucking a shame, dude. Cause, yeah. You know. I, I always liked Mike singing. I thought it was cool, his style, you know? Yeah. What, uh, what made you ultimately end up uh, leaving, leaving that band? Um, yeah, I, I don't... It's, it's hard to say, man, because, you know, I was partying a lot back then. That might have <laughs> something to do with it. Um, you know, because I was in my 20s, man. You know, I was really young. And uh, I knew there was a falling out between me and Vince at some point, I don't remember what was over. And, uh, uh, the, he had got this other guitarist from like this glam band in, uh, Vincent breeding. And I didn't really like that guy. So, um, I, I left, man. That was pretty much the end of that for you anyway. Yeah. And, uh, Pete stayed in that band for a while, but you guys met up a few years later again in Equinox, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So right after I, I quit doing apostasy, um, uh, Pete called me and he needed a guitarist for, uh, Equinox and his, um, 
his base he his bass player had left, so uh, Matt Matt switched to bass because I think Matt was just singing before. Yeah. I don't remember because I wasn't in the band before that. But um, they needed a guitarist, so I I did a we did like a black death metal. Uh, we we did corpse paint on stage and like spikes and stuff because uh, black metal was just this was like '94. And black metal was just huge. Yeah. And uh, and they weren't real black metal before I joined the band. And then I kind of pushed them more in the black metal direction. And uh, and then that kind of I, – I started having kids. Um, and my job started getting crazy around 2000. So I, I quit the band in like 2000. So just uh, did you take a break from music altogether for a while? I took, I took, I did no music for like five years or no, it was like seven years. Okay. And then when my kids got a little older, uh, Matt, Matt actually quit, uh, Equinox and they were like, Hey, we need a bass player. And I was like, oh, I'll have a bass. I never play it, but you know, I could, I wanted to sing, man. Cause like I started thinking about singing then. And, uh, so with Mac on, they need a singer bass player. So I, I rejoined Equinox, uh, doing singing and bass and, uh, that fizzled out. And then the drummer that we were, that we were doing Equinox with, uh, Gabe Lewandowski, he was doing this project called Serpent Sun and he needed a bass player singer for that. So he did that for about a year and then Pete and then, uh, well, it's a couple of years. And then 2010, Pete was like, Hey, you want to do a doom band? And I was like, I was like, man, I love doom, but is it like, is it a thing right now? You know? <laughs> and he was like, not, not really, but I'm hoping to bring it back, you know? So, um, so the doom yeah, thing was, the doom the thing was, uh, was Pete's idea then. Yeah. Oh yeah. Pete's the mastermind. Yeah. He's the mastermind behind the band. Yeah. Yeah. It was Pete and uh, Steve, they uh, they sent me a track and it was uh, it was uh, the first song on hymns. The um, oh man, I can't remember what the song is. <laughs> the uh, uh, ghastly horror. The uh, oh man, I can't think. So we're talking oh, about off so off of uh, off hymns for the wicked off the first album, correct? Yeah, they sent me just a rough track. It was guitar and drums. And uh, I just like, man, the riffs are really fucking cool, man. And uh, I was like, you know, what style are you looking for? And they're like, just throw some vocals down and see what you know you think. And uh, it was Chamber of Ghastly Horror. And uh, I threw some vocals down and they loved it. And I loved the song. And we were going to do a, uh, we were going to do a demo with three songs. And we got the three songs written. And we're like, man, fuck, this sounds great. Why don't we do five songs and we'll do an EP, you know? Yeah. So and we're recording ourselves. So, you know, it wasn't nothing to just spend more time recording. And uh, after the five songs, we're like, fuck, man, we're so close to a full length. Why don't we just do a fucking full length? <laughs> so we did a full length and, uh, and uh, Horror, Pain, Gore, Death uh, heard a couple tracks and they're like, hey, we could, we could release this for you guys. And we're like, cool, man. And then we got this lady from Germany. I can't remember her name, Angela something. And she released it on vinyl and, uh, it, it blew up, man. We were, we were, we were really happy, you know? Yeah. And that was, uh, that was what around 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. It was 2010, man. Yeah. Crazy. And so from the get go, you guys kind of, uh, took on that, that doom, as you said, it wasn't really a thing so much back then, but, um, you guys took some influences from bands like Candlemass and Bathory and the first album. Those were the two bands that really I heard when I listened to that. And then, uh, like the Martin Van Andrunen era Asphyx, you know, kind of came through in that as well. Um, which uh, I was, I was a huge fan of, you know, Pestilence back before then. Um, but I remember hearing Asphyx for the first time going, man, these guys are heavy as fuck. And that guy sounds pissed off when he sings. 
And uh, <laughs> so that's cool. That was yeah. kind of uh, that was the vibe I got when I when I first listened to hymns. Um, and then some years later, you know, it was like eight years later before you guys uh, released Grotesque. Um, and then while it still has that huge doom vibe to it, I think it took on a lot more melody. Um, kind of reminded me of like Gothic era Paradise Lost and like My Dying Bride with the harmonies and things like that. Um, was that something you guys were into yeah. at all? Oh, dude, I was a big, huge Paradise Lost fan. The first, like, two albums. Yeah. And, uh, the old My Dying Bride. Yeah, my vocals, I basically describe my vocals as, like, if you took if you took Massacre and Paradise Lost and My Dying Bride and you just combined them, that's, that's, that's what I think my vocals sound like because that's what I, that's where my major influences were, you know, and that, like, you might hear a taste of like obituary every once in a while or deicide, but the main ones for me was the doomer, doomier stuff, you know? Yeah. So, which worked out. Oh, I see you got a false prophet shirt on, man. That's cool. Oh, <laughs> completely coincidental, I but did. yes, uh, given props to my friends and your friends there and the prophet boys. And of course, uh, Mr. Scott Pavarnik building you that badass fucking bass that I waited a lifetime to see live in person. So, <laughs> oh yeah man that's cool awesome awesome so uh yeah the the old school doom stuff uh i don't know were you ever into like bolt thrower or bands like that oh yeah man bolt thrower uh carcass uh cancer yeah um rave um yeah i mean the, all the old school stuff man gorguts gorguts uh, big gorguts band um, you know, and all the, all the traditional morbid angel, you know, deicide obituary. Um, and then, you know, like you mentioned, candle mass, um, big influence. Um, I always loved doom. I just, I thought that when the fast stuff come out, nobody was going to want to hear doom anymore, Yeah. you know? And, uh, and then, you know, after 10 years of just this really fast stuff, you know, I think people are just like, especially live people are like, man, you know, it's nice to hear something heavy and that we can understand. And, you know, you can hear every note, you know, they don't fly by so fast. And, you know, I think if you do all fast stuff, it gets boring. If you do all slow stuff, it gets boring. So we try to do a little bit of both, you know? Yeah, I think one of the things that it, that sets Drew Lord apart from a lot of other bands, you know, Doom or otherwise, is even if you're not familiar with that genre, like, I can listen to your vocals and I can hear all the words without having read lyric sheets or anything like that. I can understand the vocals and you can listen to the guitar and yeah. you can hear the bass and everything is kind of each instrument you can hear individually. And I know that was something that even uh, Chuck Schuldiner strived for was I love death metal vocals, but I want them to be intelligible. Um, and I think that a lot of bands kind of get buried in the mix that way with uh, trying to do too much at a time, which is why I've always liked the whole doom genre. Cause it really does celebrate everything individually. So. Yeah, we just, we wanted to be as heavy as possible. You know, like the guitar, uh, Pete, he, he tuned his guitars to B. And I was like, I was like, B? Because, man, when I tuned my bass to B, they felt like rubber bands. Yeah, they're the flopping like around rubber. on there. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I had to get bigger strings and I had to cut the nut out so it could fit the bigger strings. Right. And, uh, and we just started, you know, we researched. Uh, we researched what these guys, like people that we heard that were really heavy, we researched what amps they were playing and, you know, what kind of pickups they were using. And because uh, we just wanted, we wanted like when we first hit that first note in the, when you hear us like on that first song, we wanted to like, like melt your face off. Like, like, <laughs> oh my God, you know, because there was guys that did that to us. Yeah. And we wanted to be those guys to other people, you know? Yeah, no, your shit is heavy. I remember uh, Carcass tuning to B back in the day. It was a band I was into early on and trying to learn Carcass songs and tuning my guitar down and having like 10-gauge strings on my guitar. And those fuckers were just flopping <laughs> around. And I was like, how can you even play that stuff without having a baritone or something? 
And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was just, I remember that blowing my mind. And now that kind of became the thing down the road of uh, down tuning and heavier gauges. Uh, I wish I would have done that earlier on in my own career there. Yeah. That's crazy. So what was different about your approach with uh, um, grotesque offerings versus hymns? Did you guys do anything majorly differently in concept or in, in ideology? Uh, no, actually, we didn't. We didn't do anything different. We're still writing about old horror movies. Yeah, you know, mostly like seventies horror movies that we were enjoying. Um, you know, the vocals are still the same. I mean, yeah, we didn't change. We didn't change much. We just um, we had someone mix and master this one for us because I recorded everything for the band and. Uh, you know, I never went to school for it. I never took any classes. I never ran live sound for anybody. I just started recording as like a hobby. And when we heard how good it sounded, we were like, we could probably get by with just doing it ourselves. Yeah. And so we just kept doing it ourselves. But there, there reached a point where we were just like, you know what? I don't know if we're going to make it sound as heavy as we want it to sound uh, ourselves. So we actually got uh, Tomaz. Uh, he's the guy who mixed the Hooded Menace, the first Hooded Menace, and I think he mixed the second one too. And because uh, Hooded Menace are buddies of ours, and we we really liked their mix, and we we're like, hey, who mixed you guys? And they told us, so we contacted him, and he's the one who mixed uh, Grotesque Offerings. Oh, so, yeah. It definitely there's a difference in the in the overall, I guess you'd say, production sound of the albums, but the yeah. It does still feel a lot similar. I, you know, Hymns is going to be a little bit more raw and grotesque and be a little bit more polished. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, uh, it seems to have stayed true to itself within those two albums. Are you guys working on more material or are you just kind of enjoying your time out there playing a bunch of shows right now? It seems like you're pretty busy doing that. Yeah, we're doing a lot of shows. We got a, um, a really cool fest in Denmark coming up and we're really excited about that because we've never been to Europe. Like we've been to Europe personally, but we've never been there as Drew and Lord, you know? Yeah. So that's going to be exciting to do that. And then I think when we get back, we're going to start on the new album. We, we do have like one song written, so, but we're, we're real slow with the writing the songs. And, I was going to say, I have drafts. heard, I've heard that it takes you guys forever to, uh, to get songs finished the way that you like them to be. And then you throw on the, the factor of, you know, having like movie outtakes and things like that. It's probably just uh, a whole big, long process. It's, it's, it's a, it's really long. I mean, it literally takes us, I, I, I say literally like probably a year for each song oh. and you know, not intentionally. Yeah. Not intentionally. And I, I'd love to get an album out a little quicker, but I think, I think the chances of getting a new album out, you know, in two years is probably not, not reality. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, 10 years later, you're writing an album. And by the time you're done, you're like, Hey man, I don't even like this kind of music anymore. I might be moving on to something else. Yeah. I mean, literally the hymns took so long to get out. I mean, we, we've had some of those songs written three years ago, you know? And so some of them, I'm just, I feel like, you know, they're old songs to me, Yeah, you know? And I'm just like, let's write some new stuff. So, and we've got a new guitarist and he's got to learn like, you know, a lot of the old songs. And uh, so I, I, you know, once he's on board with all the old stuff, I think we'll start writing some new stuff. You so, have uh, a, a new guitarist. Uh, Chris Wickline. He's from, he's from Killing Addiction. Yeah. We had to like go Ben. We had to like go Ben uh, about like a year a yeah. year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. He seems like, uh, Chris seems like he fits in pretty good. Um, you know, watching him at the shows and kind of, uh, seeing him on some of the videos that I've seen online. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, I love that fucking guitar that, uh, ice man he's playing is killer. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so he's, uh, he's learning your new stuff. Uh, and I assume though, that once, once everything is kind of, uh, done along those lines, he'll be a part of the songwriting process. If all goes according to plan. Yeah, we always uh, we always let you know we always let everybody have input in the songs. I've you know I've literally 
I've never wrote any of the any of the lead guitar stuff, but I've I've helped out with like riffs here and there. I'm like, oh, we should do this here. And uh, Pete is is mainly the songwriter, um, but I'll I definitely write a lot of the lyrics, and I have a lot of input even with like drum parts, like on hymns. When we were working, because I play drums a little bit, I'm not that great, <laughs> but you know, we we would be like, hey, what's what's uh you know like. We had some shit that was in like five eight time, and the drummer was like, "What the fuck am I gonna do with this?" You know, like because he did he wasn't like a jazz guy, right? So he doesn't know five eight time. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's really easy, man. You just you do four, and then you just do like a little roll at the end, you know." Because I'm I know some music theory, you know. So I was like, "So we all help out, man, you know." And it's it's definitely you'll see on the album, you know, Pete wrote this song and I wrote this song, but it's really a group effort. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. The collaboration I think is key for, for a lot of stuff. You get everybody's input on there and you get to take everybody's different influences and everybody's different kind of musical upbringings into one collective work. I just think it, it shows a lot of diversity and uh, I love that in music myself. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same band if one guy did everything. Right. You know, it, would, it wouldn't. It happen. would be ghost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just got myself all worked up when I said that. I get all pissed off all over again. <laughs> so I've got a friend of mine that's a huge fan, and you not that I ever want to slam anybody publicly, but I just, I guess, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of you know concept albums and different you know, kind of theatrical things, but, uh, I guess that one is just lost on me. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in that cult. Yeah. All right. So I, I liked a couple of the songs. I thought they were okay. His voice kind of ruins it for me though. Right. So. <laughs> well, you know, you can't all be Tony Blacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you touched on it a few minutes ago. Um, and I wanted to kind of, uh, break into this about how you guys are all fans of the kind of the old horror movies and specifically the 70s one, so really kind of more the pulp-style horror as opposed to the mainstream style, um, which is where sure. you get a lot of your kind of inspiration for your lyrics and things like that. So um, what are some of your favorites? What are some that have really just stuck with you over the years that you decided you wanted to write songs uh, about? Definitely uh, The Crazies, um, Barren Blood, um, mostly the ones we've already wrote songs about because we wrote all our favorites we wrote first, you know. Um, there's a lot of those, uh, you know, the old black and white, you know, there wasn't a lot of special effects. It was, they just were creepy, yeah. you know. Like, and I don't, the new, the new, the new movies don't know how to make it creepy like they did back then, man, you know. It's uh, most of the most of the ones you know that uh, that we write about. Pete Pete uh, Pete's probably a little more familiar with the band, with the name titles, but he'll send me. He'll say, "Hey man, I want to write a song about this. Watch this movie, you know." And I'll watch it, and then I'll I'll, I'll jot down ideas, and I'll send him lyrics, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, this is cool, but." you know, you didn't mention this part, you know, or this part, you know, and, and I'll do the same with him. I'll be like, Hey man, I want to write a song about this, you know? And, uh, I think if we weren't horror movie fans, I don't know what we would write about, honestly, because <laughs> we're not like satanic. Yeah. You know, we're like, I don't believe in Satan and God and stuff. So we, we couldn't write about that. Right. I don't, I don't know what we would write about, man, because that's all we're really into collectively as a band, you know? Well, so, I'm curious how... Yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, definitely it works. I mean, you know, uh, House of Dripping Gore, when I heard that song live, that's the one that people really seem to lose their shit over. Um, that seems yeah. like a really popular song, and, and that's just such a fantastic, melodic, brutal song. So I'm, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, though, how you take a concept like old horror movies yet come up with a name like Druid Lord? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a Pete question, unfortunately. He came <laughs> up with the name, and I just loved it from the beginning. The The name before that was Alabaster Grimm. That was going to be the name of the band. And I was like, 
was like, nah, I, I can't get into it, man. I was like, you gotta come up with stuff a little bit better. And we're we're always into that old the old uh, stories about you know witchcraft and uh, sure. the cults and stuff. And the druids, they're it's kind of a sad tale, you know. The druids, I mean, they're gone. Yeah, just but, wiped out, just disappeared. Know, but there was something about them that was just cool, man, and eerie, you know. And uh, when he came up with the name, I was like, oh, like like the, like a king, like a king druid, you know, like the Lord of the castle. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, man. I was like, dude, that's badass. I was like, <laughs> I love it, man. So that's where, you know, you know, that's where it came from. Pretty yeah. much. I kind of expected like, uh, if you've ever seen spinal tap just to, when I see you guys play, I envisioned a little fucking Stonehenge dropping from the ceiling and a bunch of little fucking midget dwarfs dancing around and then you guys coming out with your fucking death metal. It would have been awesome, but it didn't happen. So, you know, I got myself all all psyched up for that. Yeah. So next time, there's your free idea. So Midgets are expensive. Dude. That's why you don't see midgets in movies. Yeah, when you right. see like the new Willy Wonka, it's one guy playing, you know, 10,000 midgets. They're expensive, man. It's all everything. They got a union. Yeah. Everything is all CG now anyway, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so speaking of live, though, so I did, I finally got a chance to see you guys live after uh, trying many times to get out to the East Coast, finally made it happen. Um, killer show, heavy as fuck. Uh, and you. how cool is that, that that massacre show and with False Prophet happened basically in your backyard? And I was like, okay, uh, False Prophet's going to be there. Guys from Massacre, I was like, there's some there's some heavy hitters in the death metal community going to be there. So I set up uh, behind the place and did a bunch of interviews with them. I so saw that. You'll, you can see them on my show. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know when all the stars are ever going to align and that shit's going to be like perfect like this again. So I took advantage of it. Definitely. Yeah. You know? It's uh, pretty historic, especially, you know, with the whole, uh, that being massacres, first show as is in you know 30 plus years and seeing uh seeing them play that the entire album start to finish was uh pretty epic for sure so but you mentioned since you brought it up and uh we brought it up earlier in the show so you kick back there on that super badass mural on the back of will's pub and you got the tony black show going on so let's uh tell me about the tony black show uh so the tony black show uh, let's see how do I how do I describe? It? So I'm a I'm a fucking nut, man. I'm, <laughs> I I try to crack I try to crack people up. Uh, I'm 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 really close to doing some stand up or something. I just I have I have to work myself up to it, you know, because it's you gotta have some big balls to stand up there and do that for sure. But I, I I always always loved making people laugh, and I was like, I want to do a show that's got a metal theme and makes people laugh. And, you know, I, I fuck with people that I'm interviewing and ask them stupid questions, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and then I, I was, you know, I had my, uh, I have a little studio a recording studio in my garage. So I had all this equipment. I just needed, uh, some video cameras and a way to sync up the audio. And once I figured all that shit out, I was like, oh, I'm doing my fucking show now. I'm yeah. ready, you know? So, yeah, probably kind of like what you're doing right now, man. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, a ton of video stuff myself that I just haven't dug into yet. And uh, it's very daunting. And it's hard enough to to mix and edit just a podcast, let alone trying to throw a video into that as well. And I'm pretty... uh we'll call it technically retarded. You know, I don't really do that well when it comes to trying to figure all this shit out, but I like yourself, I'm all self-taught. So, but your guests on the Tony black show, of course, on, on that day, I think you got just about everybody that came through that day. I think I saw, I saw Paul Ray, saw Rick Roz, uh, Cam Lee, who hogged up almost your entire time. You got Scott on there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that was great though. That was a that was a really good interview. I thoroughly enjoyed that. And so, but you try to keep them short. You just kind of short to the point. Let's blab for a couple minutes, then get the fuck out of my chair and make room for the next guy. Is that the idea? Yeah, I'm. I I'm I'm very kind of like that. Like I know people have short attention spans, 
and I want to grab their attention right away yeah. with like something funny, you know, and then I want to make it short and sweet. And like I edit everything down. So it's real concise. And, you know, I just, uh, you, even if you see me on Facebook, you'll notice I don't have really long rants. Right. I, I might say, you know, a couple of times and, and then I'm, I'm, I, it's like, I make you laugh and then I'm out of there. You yeah. Know? Like, I just don't, I don't want to, you know, out. I don't want to, uh, what do you call it? Like, uh, you know, outstay my welcome or something. You sure. Know? So. Well, I don't know if I'd be concerned about that. I think uh, you've definitely got a place no matter where you go. So uh, thanks, bro. <laughs> you've also had your family members on there, which is kind of cool. It seems uh, you get everybody involved and just you're having fun with it, which is kind of what I like about it. It's not taking itself so seriously that it's just like a million other YouTube channels out there. It's like, hey check this out. Let's fuck around, have some fun and get on with our days, which is the thing that I like the best about it. So that, uh, that brick wall though, is that in your house that, that backdrop that you use? <laughs> Where is that? That's just, that's in my garage, man. It's just a, uh, it's just like a fake wall. I got at home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a movie prop. Yeah. yeah it's a total, uh, it's totally fake. The whole, the whole backdrop is fake and it's portable so I can move it. Like if I, I'm going to do some uh, shows in Tampa uh, next month yeah. and I'm taking the whole thing over there in my van and it's totally portable. Everything I got is portable. Oh. So it's going to be cool. That's awesome. So hang some I'm fucking gonna, body gonna, parts or something on it. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to get some interviews with like uh Pete Sandoval and, and, uh, you know, some of the guys from DSI and some of the guys from Brutality. Yeah. I know some of those guys are already on board. Um, Mike, Mike Browning, only, you know, he's definitely on board. Uh, maybe maybe I can get Trey out there, you know, maybe. I don't know. But I'm trying to get I'm, – I'm going to do, like, a, probably a whole weekend where I just do a bunch of interviews over there. So Just power through them. I would be very yeah. curious myself to just hear something with Trey – Cause, uh, that guy is a character and, uh, yeah. I think he's quite misunderstood out there in the world. So I would, I would love to see what you, uh, you can get out of that guy. Oh man. I think the two of us together, it, it could either be awesome or it could be a total fucking train wreck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, not that I would ever hope for a train wreck, but you know, it's kind of like one of those things where, uh, you do like to see some crazy fucked up shit in the world sometimes. <laughs> So, uh, well, uh, moving on from that, then, uh, I did also notice that you seem to have some, uh, some different kind of musical tastes. You play a little bit of the piano. So you're playing some fucking Mozart or something. Uh, what else are you into yeah. besides the metal? Uh, so I'm, uh, I try to, you know, I got, I got three kids and, uh, my daughter plays piano. Uh, all three of my kids know how to play drums because we have a drum set in our garage and, even when they were little kids, I'd be out there banging on them, you know, and they would want me to show them how. So, you know, I play a lot. I'm just really hugely into music. And so I play almost every instrument I could get my hands on. You know, uh, somebody handed me a violin one day and I just started playing a song. It wasn't awesome, but they were like, you play violin? And I was like, well, it's, it's not that much different than a guitar, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, so I just love music and, uh, I love classical music. I've always loved classical music. It's really hard to play. Yeah. So you won't see me doing it a lot, but I'll sit down and, and just get, and just get engulfed in a piece and just, I won't stop until I kind of perfected at least two minutes of it so I can make a video or something, you know? So that's pretty, if you saw me doing a song, I probably only know that amount of that song. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you could film for yeah. two minutes, that's your piece. Yeah, exactly. Just, just cause I love music, man. I'm just a, a huge music fan, any style pretty much. Awesome. You know? And you've got your family involved. So you guys are like the fucking death metal partridge family over there. It'd <laughs> be yeah. awesome. So, uh, <laughs> well, I want to ask you a few questions, kind of like a uh, this or that kind of thing. You ready for this? Yeah, man. Go for it. All right. Martin Van Drunen or Tom G. Warrior? Tom G. Warrior. Tom G. Yeah. From, from the Celtic Frost, huh? Oh, my God, man. I listen to them at least once a week, man. 
still, yeah. still listen to him. I came yeah, across still. a. I had a buddy of mine who died a few years back, and just uh, about two weeks ago, we went over to his house. His mom called us up and said, "Hey, go through his old record collection." And he was a collector, so thousands and thousands of of pieces of vinyl. And I, I did come across quite a few of the old Celtic Frosts um, that I was able to kind of snatch up from there. And Gorguts, by the way, since you mentioned Gorguts earlier, I was uh, laughing. Dude. I'm like, who the fuck has even knows about Gorguts anymore? So I was a huge fan. And going back to Tom G, man, if you ever hear me go, Ugh, yeah, that you know, that's him, dude. <laughs> that's, I totally ripped him off, man. Everybody that ever does that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then it's really crazy too. Speaking of Tom G, because he does so many different vocal styles, even within the band. Um, yeah, way, way more than I think people even realize how many different things he tried and he just experimented and he's still experimenting. The whole thing is like one big fucking mad scientist experiment with that with Celtic Frost. Yeah, cool. So, uh, all right. Steve Harris or Cliff Burton? Uh, Cliff Burton, man. Going to the yeah. cliff. Yeah, he has that. Uh, he has the classical stuff. You know, like, uh, you know, that anesthesia yeah. is just full of all this classical uh, beauty and his his head banging style. He wore his he wore his bass real low. You know, he had the bell bottoms, yeah. the long hair. <laughs> um, you know, he was a you know, he, I don't know, man. I he, him and between him and Geezer Butler, uh, I can't imagine any if you could if those two guys you know had sex and had a baby it would be the best <laughs> bass player in the world you know like yeah i just it would be the awesomest so yeah i can't get that i can't get that image out of my mind now because i am actually imagining that so uh awesome <laughs> i'll try not to let that distract me for the rest of the day <laughs> so uh uh mozart or bach Oh man, Mozart. Mozart. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little more uh dramatic, you yeah. know. That's for sure. Uh Phantom of the Opera or Les Misérables. Oh. Oh jeez. Uh Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just that was a uh, we just we just got a history lesson on that in France. The Phantom of the Opera, because that was that book was written um, uh, about a place that we visited over there. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> awesome. So but yeah, personal history lesson about that one then. Yeah, just just now. Yeah, that's funny you mentioned it. Uh, Dracula or Frankenstein? Uh, Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. A little bloodier. Yeah. yeah. I just like the whole, I just like the whole, uh, mystery and how he would seduce women and, you know, his, uh, it was a little more eerie for me. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein was just a big, you know, goofy, you know, oaf that, you know, <laughs> he was scary, but Dracula, I think he was scarier, honestly, cause yeah. he could sneak up on you. He could change into a bat. I don't know. Dracula was cooler to me. Nice. Uh, here's a little bit more pulpier stuff. Uh, Swamp Thing or Creature from the Black Lagoon? Oh, shit. Oh, man. Uh, you're showing your age now, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, hey. <laughs> I'm sure you still got me beat. Um, uh, I think, uh, man, two, those two movies, I don't know. They Those two movies are really high up there for me because – uh, you know, like the creature from the black lagoon, that was the first black and that was the first movie I'd seen in 3d. Yeah. And when I was a kid, when I was a kid, you, you went up to Seven Eleven, you bought the 3d glasses and right. you had to tune. Yeah. You had to tune your TV and then swamp thing. I was in love with that female lead, the yeah. lady with the black curly hair. Um, I was totally in love with her. Um, Man, that's a hard one. I would have to say Swamp Thing, man. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Two two epic ones uh, that that are really hard to choose between for sure. And then if you go back now and you watch, like for instance, uh, that uh, oh fucking what's it called? That Guillermo del Toro, uh, The Shape of Water, right? Where that yeah. creature is so fucking reminiscent 
of uh, kind of both of those creatures. You can definitely see where the yeah. influence came from there. I don't want to say ripped it off, but, you know, kind of fucking ripped it off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so awesome. Uh, Toxic Avenger or Surf Nazis Must Die? Toxic Avenger, man. <laughs> yeah. Good old Melvin. <laughs> Again, I was in love with the female lead on the Toxic Adventure. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that was that was super awesome. All those old trauma movies. I mean, if you're in just straight up campy violence for the sake of violence and horrible special effects that make Ed Wood look like a genius, um, those were just yeah. abs- absolutely out of control. So, um, I've I've probably seen the Toxic Adventure like twenty times, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, Stonehenge or Easter Island? Uh, Stonehenge. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, considering uh, I'm in Eng- <laughs> I'm in England. Man. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go with that. And I think I already asked you uh, English food or French food, but you already decided on the on the French food there. Yeah, so. French. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> this has been super epic. Uh, I've sucked up an insane amount of your time, which I definitely appreciate. Uh, why don't you go ahead and. Uh, Plug your sites and any upcoming shows you got and tell us what's going on with Drew Lord and uh, where we can find you on the interwebs. So we got this show coming up in Denmark at Killfest in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark on uh, September 8th. That's going to be epic. Uh, we don't, we got druidlord.com. We've had that forever. Uh, we got some, a really good deal on some tour shirts that are for our last tour that we didn't sell all of them. So if you want a tour shirt with the dates on the back, you can get them really cheap right now at druidlord.com. That's about it, man. We don't have a lot of upcoming shows because right after Denmark, we're going to go back in the studio and start working on this new album, hopefully. Oh, man. And then in 25 years, we'll hear it. It'll be fucking killer. Yeah. Yeah, maybe 2026. Yeah. 2026. (laughs) You guys write that on your calendars. You got plenty of time to plan for this. Don't miss it in the meantime. Go on their sites, buy their merch, buy their fucking albums, stock them online. It's uh, it's worth it, I promise you. So, uh, hey, Tony, thank you for doing this today, brother. I really appreciate it, and uh, congratulations on all the cool stuff you got coming down. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate you supporting local music, man, local heavy metal stuff, dude. Absolutely. Cool. Support it all. Support the metal. Support the folk. Support your acoustic artists. Support your comic book artists. Support everybody yep. who does something creative in the world because at the end of the day the people that are out there putting their names out there to try to offer something different they're the ones who are making a difference in the world so yes sir i agree thank right. you brother thank you. you man yep you know not that i want to be the guy to say i told you so but i fucking told you so was that not piles of awesomeness absolutely out of control as always, thanks for hanging out with me here on Misery Point Radio. I really appreciate you being here. Please do me the solid. Like the pages, share it, subscribe, all the platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found, and support all of your artists, local and otherwise. And support Druid Lord because they're super fucking badass. This song here, my favorite off of Grotesque Offerings, it's called House of dripping gore. Check it out. It's going to melt your fucking face off.
pain. 